Welcome to the Prompt to Page podcast, a partnership between the Jessamine County Public Library and the Carnegie Center for Literacy and Learning. I'm your host, librarian and poet, Carrie Green. Each episode, we interview a published writer who shares their favorite writing prompt. Submit your response to the prompt for a chance to have it read on a future episode of the podcast. Our guest today is Claudia Lovemeyer. Claudia Love is the author of 11 books, including a memoir, Don't You Fall Now, a biography, and eight novels. She holds an MFA in writing from Spalding University and is the coordinator for the Carnegie Center's Kentucky Black Writers Collaborative. She lives and works in Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome, Claudia Love. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled and honored to be here. So it actually does seem fitting you are joining us from the Carnegie Center today. Yeah, I'm in the corner in the ballroom. (laughs) There's a lot going on today. So I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the Kentucky Black Writers Collaborative. Yes, I'd be happy to. It's one of my favorite things to do. In 2020, around the time of the uprisings, around the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, a lot of uh, people in your personal lives and even businesses and nonprofits began to ask themselves, you know, what are what is our relationship to the black community? And the Carnegie Center was no different. The Carnegie Center has been known for being warm, welcoming spaces for writers. But mm-hmm. the fact is There are so many challenges around race and systemic racism Mm -hmm. that primarily people in primarily white spaces who are running white spaces may not realize that they are not as welcoming as they hope that they are. Mm -hmm. And so the Carnegie Center has long wanted to support the black writers in our community in a greater way. But in 2020, this really became a big focal point. And um, they did a very searching inventory of policies and practices and decided, no, we are not actually doing as much for the black community as we could. Mm -hmm. So they decided to kind of in a spirit of reparations, although that could be a very loaded term, but this was the intent. How do we write, you know, some of these disparities, these economic disparities that may keep black writers from participating in our classes and conferences? Mm -hmm. Because I, at the time in 2020, I would not have necessarily been able to afford to take classes at the Carnegie Mm -hmm. Center. And uh, so how do we address these economic disparities? How do we address the educational disparities, even the writing and publishing disparities? Because there is a tremendous amount of racism in publishing that people don't really know about. Mm -hmm. So the Carnegie Center decided to create a Kentucky Black Writers Collaborative and hire a coordinator to kind of be at the helm. And this position would connect with the whole literary community in Kentucky to draw in Black writers, enabling us to take classes in writing and language for free, Mm -hmm. as well as 
scholarships provided for other offerings that we have, such as we have um, limited number, but it's a pretty, pretty good number of 100% scholarships for our Books in Progress conference. And I think it's around $175. And Mm -hmm. so for someone to be able to have this very focused conference experience for free, it's amazing. So, Mm -hmm. so that's what I do. I not just support Black writers, or we don't just support Black writers by offering free writing and language classes and pretty much subsidies for just about any Carnegie Center offering that we have available. But we also, through the Kentucky Black Writers Collaborative, celebrate Kentucky Black writers with Mm -hmm. things like our Black and Lit Book Club. We had a special webinar panel discussion from some of the best Black writers in Kentucky, the most accomplished, called Writing and Publishing While Black, where they were able to share their experiences as being Black in traditionally published. So we have so many great, great, great things. Right now we have a huge art installation dedicated Mm -hmm. to the memory of Breonna Taylor called At the Clearing. It'll be up until next March, so anyone can come to the Carnegie Center and view it and interact with it because not only can you view this wonderful installation, you can write your own thoughts or your prayers or your lamentations or your poems and stick it right into the piece to be a part of the art itself. So we have many exciting things, many exciting things to come. Well, that's great. Thanks so much for telling us more about that. And I'm really glad that you're at the Carnegie Center doing that. Me too. Can you tell me a little bit about what role prompts have played in your writing process, either, you know, currently or in the past? I don't, you know, my brain is a very busy thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it tends to kind of give me prompts, you know, like I have novels that started off with what if mm-hmm. and and grew into a full novel or and sometimes even a series of novels. So I have not used prompts from the outside. However, this is not everyone's experience. Mm-hmm. So as a teacher of writing, I have used prompts because I, you know, I find it very effective. But even before I was teaching writing, I worked at Good Samaritan Hospital in Lexington on the behavioral health unit. And so we had people coming in And of course, they are in in need of acute psychological care. Mm -hmm. So I was a a mental health associate and kind of like a mental health tech, and I did do groups. And sometimes I would put a writing prompt in this particular one, especially, so that people can begin to identify some sources of pain in their life as well as some sources of empowerment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I this, this prompt that we're going to talk about, I absolutely love it. 
Well, that's a perfect segue if you want to go ahead and talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, this prompt I found in a book called Poem Crazy, and it is by Susan Goldsmith Wooldred. I started reading Poem Crazy because I was always really interested in diving deeper into poetry, and this book does have prompts in it. So it's about, this is from chapter 10, and it's called Our Real Names. Now, names have always been really important to me because before I was Claudia Love, I was just Claudia. Love is a name that I gave myself. But when I was about nine years old, I was looking in this big dictionary that we had at home. And in the back, it had the meanings of names. And of course, I look for my name, I find it. And my name, Claudia, means lame, but intelligent. (laughs) I was okay with the intelligent (laughs) part, but the lame part, not so much. (laughs) I was not, you know, a big fan of, you know, walking around calling myself lame and (laughs) being called lame. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the heck, mom? (laughs) You know, like, I just named you after my friend. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't scouring through the name books. Yeah. Later, I, I wanted to give my children really thoughtful names. So I, and they all have African names. They are all beautiful meanings with kind of, when, when I had them and, and I held them for the first time, you know, the kind of spirit, so to speak, that I felt in them. And then I wanted to, you know, say my, my firstborn's name was, he passed away. So it, it was Lumumba and his name means gifted. And my son, Kamal, quiet warrior. And that was exactly, you know, the kind of vibe that I got from these babies. So uh, I really tried to be really thoughtful about about naming them because mm-hmm. of my own <laughs> name experience. And, and just kind of an evolution of my name. I was born Claudia Diane Hawthorne. I got married and hyphenated at my husband's request. So I was Claudia Diane Hawthorne's hyphen Bernie. At some point I converted to the Orthodox, the Orthodox Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church. And I was given a new name, the name of a saint. And in this kind of like naming ceremony, this ritual in which I was kind of given this anointing with oil and this new saint's name bestowed upon me, which is Mary, but I didn't feel like a Mary, so Mm -hmm. I used the variation of Mary, Meyer. So the priest, as he is about to give me this name, he says, you know, and, and your name will now be Claudia Meyer. And I thought, oh my God, he put Claudia in there. That was not what we agreed upon. <laughs> then I felt like, now I'm stuck with it <laughs> because it's my name in heaven now. <laughs> anyway, at some point, there was no more Mr. Bernie. And I had the choice to make would I keep his name? Would I return to my father's name? What would I do? And it was not 
the kind of marriage where I wanted to continue with his name, even though that my children had his name. Mm-hmm. I was like, you guys are on your own. <laughs> <laughs> You're old enough. <laughs> you can be Bernie's, mm-hmm. you know, go for it, but no, no longer I. Mm-hmm. So because my name had been Claudia Meyer Bernie, because I added that to my name, so my books, my, my previous books were under the name Claudia Meyer Bernie. Mm-hmm. I, and now, you know, I had a name drop off. So what was I going to do? And also I was brokenhearted. So I asked myself, you know, what is it that I want? And what I wanted was love. I wanted to always have love in my life. Mm-hmm. So I named myself love, some creative, sassy girlfriends. We had a naming ceremony. I was in California. I called my husband. I said, look, I know we're not divorced yet, but I will no longer use your name. And, mm-hmm. and that was the end of that. We had the naming ceremony and I became, I scooted Meyer over and I became <laughs> Claudia Love Meyer. And when I got home a few months later, I legally changed it. And initially, I think I came from this place of scarcity because I was losing a love that I had for over for like 20, 22 years. Mm-hmm. And, but later I began to say, okay, there is no scarcity of love. I have a tremendous amount of love in my life. So I decided that I want to embody what it is to be love and uh, be able to very freely share and express love this, in which, you know, something that I, I try to do every day of my mm-hmm. life. Um, so when I came across this prompt, I found it really interesting. In, in Poem Crazy, Susan talks about work that she has done in places like juvenile detention centers and with marginalized communities. And she talked about how among some tribal people, their name changes as their character changes. Like you can start off with a name when you were born, mm-hmm. but then when you are 14 and it appears that you are a drummer, you know, your name might change, you know, to, you know, fiery drum mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. It could be based on something that you do or some type of celebration. She quotes here that a name should be taken as an act of liberation, of celebration, of intention. This is quoting Erica Jong in Fear of 50. A name should be a magical invocation to the muse. A name should be a self-blessing. And so when I began to work with these patients having these huge mental health breaks where they end up in the hospital, whether that be for anxiety or for depression or suicidal ideation, here we do this prompt and they begin to see themselves in a new way. Mm-hmm. And so the first line, it's one, two, three, four, five, it's six lines. So okay. the first line is, my real name is. The second line, yesterday, my name was. The next line, 
today my name is the next line. Tomorrow my name will be. The next line, secretly, I know my name is. And finally, my name once was. And I'll give you just an example off the fly, because I don't have this written down, of mm -hmm. how I would respond to this prompt right now. My real name is Claudia Love. Yesterday, my name was Claudia, but it was not enough. Today, my name is only love. Tomorrow, my name will be forever love. Secretly, I know my name is perfect. My name once was, who am I? Well, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving an example. And <laughs> I think that really shows how, I mean, that's a really great prompt because it's something that anyone can do. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to be a writer. And what I find is you begin to unearth things about yourself, things within yourself begin to emerge as a result of asking yourself, you know, what is my name today? Mm -hmm. What was a name that I used to be called? Some people are very literal with that, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, someone could say, you know, yesterday my name was Baby Girl because that was what their dad called them. And that is something that was very empowering and, and very precious to them. Mm -hmm. So here they're conjuring up something that makes them feel good, no mm -hmm. matter where they are, no matter what they're feeling currently. And then the, the, the line secretly, I know my name is, here is an opportunity for you to be the person that you see yourself as that maybe no one else does that maybe has been very vulnerable. And whether that's negatively vulnerable or very positively vulnerable, where you, you, you know, I don't wanna be that arrogant, but I mean, sometimes you do need to be that affirming of, it's not arrogant, it's affirming of who you mm -hmm. are. Like I said, my core value is love. Not only do I wanna have love, I want to be love. And so, you know, secretly that was what my name was. Until mm -hmm. it really was my name. Like literally, I changed my name to that. So, so I think this is like a really unearthing, very empowering prompt that you can do over and over and get different results at different times. Yeah, and and I think also that you might find, you know, other poems or other essays or stories that you want to write out of the work that you did and writing that prompt too, because mm -hmm. of what you said, it might unearth things that you didn't, you didn't know you were feeling. Yeah. So you mentioned before we got started recording that you're going to be going to Paris soon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, first of all, I have wanted to go to Paris since I was a little girl you know, watching Gene Kelly dance in an American in Paris, that wonderful old musical. Um, and 
so many other romantic movies where, you know, Paris was just so glorified. And I am a a graduate and an alumni of Spalding University's MFA in writing program. And I decided to do a postgraduate certificate in writing for children. And so I am working on a young adult novel um, that I will be paired with an amazing mentor, Leah Henderson, who is a very critically acclaimed, accomplished African-American woman children's book author. So Mm -hmm. I'll be in workshop with her as well as studying for the rest of the semester with her just finishing up this novel, which already is in my agent's hands and in their hot little hands ready (laughs) for them to sell. But I said, I just want to get it just right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like working with Leah would be the last step to just getting it exactly where I want it to be. And then we'll get it out into the world. Well, I I like too that I mean you're a published author and you know have many many books to your name, but you still are wanting to study with other writers and work on your work on your craft. Yeah. Um, is that something that you would recommend to to oh, other always. writers? Always, I think even our amazing, super accomplished poet laureate Crystal Wilkinson is going to writing residencies and retreats. And there's always a way to deepen our craft. If I think if we think we've completely arrived, we've we've actually we've actually missed we've actually missed the the whole boat. So not only did we not arrive, we we're no longer even on the journey. <laughs> right. Well do you have any other, any final writing advice you'd like to give to our listeners? Yes. The advice that I always give to writers is to read, 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 read in the genre that you want to write in, but read widely and read good books. Read good books, read bad books. <laughs> read, read, read and expand the possibilities. As you read, you will know what you want to do. You will know what you don't want to do. But if you are not reading, you really will not be the writer that you could be. And to just stay open. All around you are prompts. There are prompts in the trees and in the clouds and in your mother's face. So, (laughs) you know, don't look at prompts as only being you know, words on paper or something that you get at a workshop or something mm-hmm. that you get in the books. There are prompts all around you. Take advantage and keep writing. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck in Paris. <laughs> thank you so much, Carrie. It's been a pleasure to be here. I hope everyone enjoys doing this prompt. like to submit a response to Claudia Love's prompt or any of the previous prompts, visit our website at jesspublib.org forward slash prompt hyphen to hyphen page. Prompt to page will be on a brief hiatus for August, but we'll return with a new episode in September. We hope you'll join us. 
To learn more about the Carnegie Center for Literacy and Learning, visit carnegiecenterlex.org. Our music is by Archipelago, an all-instrumental musical collaboration between three Lexington-based university professors. Find out more about Archipelago, Songs from Quarantine, Volumes 1 and 2, at the links on our podcast website.